You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic joining us. Hello, guys. The intent that he had in putting this staff together will overrule all of that, no pun intended. Yeah, you've got to get bigger and bolder every time, right? Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Call Mitch. Mitch. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic on the 42 Degrees, the source hotline. 42 Degrees by your mom's house. You can tell how stressed. I think Connor was on to something when he said. He was. I mean, Josh hates to lose. He hates to lose. Yeah. But he's he's managed to stick, keep his head in the game I'm barely today. watching it. And Nick, we were doing a read earlier, and Nick, in the middle of the read, is like... Yeah. Unbelievable. Forgets to call Wa- our guest. Watching this soccer match because he's so worried he's going to lose his facial hair. And remember, it's not over. This doesn't determine the winner or the loser. This just determines if you're going to be tied or not going into next week. Mitch, we apologize. Uh, we had to we had to stall there before uh, before you came on. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. I'm way off topic too. I was just as as you called. I was watching the uh, the video of the Marquette students who didn't know the logos of any of the schools in their own conference. Oh, I haven't posted, seen this yet. Posted by Marquette. Either the message is our students are so dumb <laughs> that they can't recognize the logos of any teams that we play, or our league has no has doesn't have enough brand value to to whatever. To, is this a to, new uh, video or is this one of those schedule release videos from earlier this year? No, it's new. I saw it because Coach Booth commented on it. Oh God! He being the the uh, the Twitter, um, you know she's she's a heavyweight on Twitter. When when Coach Booth has something to say, people people pay attention. That's the new thing since volleyball season ended, I guess. But. Um, it's it's uh, it's a doozy. You should watch it. I think I, I think it. I will. That's the voice of the Jays. I think I will. Man, Mitch, I'm not gonna lie. When you said I was too busy watching a video, I thought you were gonna say of the announcement about Bobby Witt Jr. again and again and again. I haven't watched that video, but I'll tell you what. I almost fell over as I was as I was <laughs> walking <laughs> walking through my living room when when uh, that that uh, I saw it in an email. I mean, the Royal, I don't get emails from the Royals, but they they I mean they. Every form of communication that could that could possibly be used. I think they have banners flying over Kansas City saying that Bobby, Bobby Wood Jr. has been stuck. They need to warn people before they do that. <laughs> yeah, he get injured, like fall and hit my head on a coffee table when uh, when that came popped up on my phone. But how about that? Uh, yeah, the Royal for for at least the next seven years and probably the next eleven. Yeah, I thought Happer did a good job of describing it today. Basically, like, you know, whenever someone would want to talk about the stadium with him, he'd say, no, I want to, I'm want. worried about Bobby Witt first. Well, now you got that guy locked up, so now I'll start talking about I, I can't downtown wait, stadium. I can't wait till Kauffman Stadium gets condemned because it's, you know, run down and out of shape, and then they have to play in some empty lot because huh. they spent all their money I, on a player instead of building a new ballpark. I, no, the, the, the Sherman's <laughs> no, rela- no relation, by the way. I love Bobby's, Bobby's, Bobby's message 
um, to the masses was that he first wanted to thank the Sherman family. So I'm going to take that and, and uh, run with it. Print, somehow print that out and, and put it on my on my office wall. Um, I I was not. I'm unlike Connor because I didn't even have any hope. I mean, I was just like it's wow. a foregone conclusion that when his when his rookie deal is done, you know, you can just expect him to land with the Dodgers or the you know the Astros or the Yankees or the Red Sox. And um, so this one came out of the blue to me. I'm not I'm not maybe following the the off season signings and 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 contract renegotiations as much as uh, as much as I should as a baseball fan because for forever it's just been disappointment after disappointment with the team that I follow. So finally a good day in that in that uh, regard. I, I just found the tweet you were referencing from Coach Booth and the video started to autoplay. I, fro- I hit the freeze frame. The first guess is the Creighton logo and the guess is the Baltimore Ravens. Oh my gosh! It's like, first of all, there's no letter C anywhere in Baltimore or Ravens. So I, I get the whole being confused by a bird thing, but I mean, <laughs> but they should now go to now go to the Big Ten campus that's 60 miles away, and flash up Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. You know, you could even get down to like Purdue and Michigan State. People are going to know, yeah, what that what those logos are. So, what are you saying about the Big East? What are you trying? What is Marquette trying to do with this? I I don't know. But that's a great point. That's a great point because you know, and it's not like it's funny. Yeah, but, it's funny, but it's and and they do this sometimes with schedule releases, but they're going out and interviewing just people on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they do that in the NFL. Yeah, who yeah, aren't yeah. very sports savvy. Yeah, these are students. And Marquette, if you've ever been to a basketball game at Marquette, biggest student section in in the Big East, mm-hmm. next to UConn, maybe bigger than UConn. I mean, they fill up both end zones. So there's a lot of actually, students that go to these games. I actually drove to a Nebraska Marquette game many years ago, probably a December game, and it was a cold night in Milwaukee, and and I don't they. Whatever arena Marquette plays in now, I don't think. Well, maybe it had just opened. How long is how long? Well, yeah, they, they're playing in the new Bucks building, but before that, they played in the building the where the Bucks played downtown. It so, was downtown, and it was nice. And yeah, about sixteen, seventeen thousand. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Enough about Marquette. Enough about Marquette. <laughs> well, I mean, you, we brought up basketball. I'm curious did did uh, did Nebraska basketball show you something more last night? than what they yeah. did in winning on Wednesday or Thursday night. Well, I don't know about more than they had showed, shown me against Wisconsin because that was quite a display in its own right. Um, you know, incredible comeback. And now you've played these games back-to-back. And, yes, like Fred Hoiberg said after the game, I think our, you know, our, our team learned something about themselves, to paraphrase, and they, they really showed something tonight. And it, it would have been – it would have been amazing for Nebraska to win that because I think then you basically punched your ticket um, and not you don't even have to worry as as long as you can just kind of hold serve the rest of the way. And now I, I don't think there's that much to worry about. I think if Nebraska takes care of business and, and and you don't have a you don't have a devastating injury that changes your team, or you know you don't lose at, at home against Rutgers or Michigan or something like that. As long as long as they they just play the kind of basketball that they've shown that they can play. I think they're going to be fine, but um, it would be nice to win a road game, and they should win a road game. Like you play like that, maybe not Wednesday night, um, maybe not at Indiana, 
but Ohio State or Michigan, I, I, those those one of those games, Michigan being the most likely, and that's the end of the season before you go into the conference tournament. You got to do something on the uh, away from from PBA just so they don't they don't have that um, you know that sticking point there and say, well, we left this team out because they showed no ability to win away from home. And guess what? They're not playing in the NCAA tournament at home. So um, it would be nice for sure for them to win a game. I, I, I was really impressed um, with the clearly the 10-point the comeback in the last three minutes, but really the way that they played and the toughness that they showed throughout that game. Because that's a, that's a, that's, I haven't seen a ton of Illinois, but I can tell from watching Illinois last night, that's a good team. It's a tournament team. It's a team that could, could be a Sweet 16 team. Hey, Mitch, I'm curious your uh, reaction when you heard about the news on Friday about the Big Ten and the SEC forming for, you know, lack of a better word, an alliance uh, together. I I know that John and I, you know, I think we we have the view on where college sports are going. And so like news like this, um, we view as seismic and like, oh, this is, again, one of those first steps of many. What was your reaction? It kind of felt like, yeah, okay, I'm not surprised by that and. I wonder why they didn't think of that earlier. I mean, these, the the Big Ten and the SEC can really throw around their weight in whatever way they want because who's going to tell them no and who's going to stand in their way? I mean, if the if the Big Twelve and the ACC came out with that announcement, I think people would just kind of you know look at them side eyed like okay, yeah, you guys go do that. But with, with the with these two leagues, they wield so much power now, and it, and it's it's well-timed in the sense that now you're out of football season and the next game that Texas and Oklahoma play will be as members of the SEC. And the same thing with the four heavyweights from the PAC 12, they're going to be members of the big 10. So they just continue to grow in power and influence and ability to basically do whatever they want. So this, this to me is, is like these two leagues, these two commissioners just getting together and saying, all right, we're just going to take matters into our own hands. So if you can't figure it out, NCAA, um, or even if you can, we don't really care. We're tired of this stuff happening to our our schools where you seem to arbitrarily be enforcing rules. And I would say that's the case, and it involves Florida State too. Um, You know, the stuff that's coming down on Florida State and Tennessee with NIL um, investigations, a lot of it is happening at every school in the country or every Power 5 school, every school that has – resources um, to be able to uh, effectively recruit through NIL. This is just where we're at. It's not just these two schools. It's happening. It's happening everywhere. So um, I would think that part of what, that, that if, if they're going to just start governing for college sports, part of what they're going to do is to make the things that are happening and that the NCAA apparently doesn't want to acknowledge are happening to make them just, allowed and part of the part of the game as as they already are mitch sherman of the athletic uh there were i saw a few of the jokes last week that you know this is another another alliance thing we all remember the failed alliance that mm-hmm. brought the pac-12 and the acc and the big 10 together and then within a year the big 10 had essentially stabbed both of those leagues in the back Certainly, um, uh, the sec is strong enough that they could withhold a stab in the back from the big 10 but i'm curious if anything substantial comes out of this advisory group, they say this isn't the beginning of, you know, these two leagues branching off and becoming a super league. They say they're doing this so they can actually affect some change when it comes to NIL and 
transfer portal and some of these other issues. Do you think anything substantial comes from this? Or is yeah. it just the beginning of what we believe to be the inevitability? Well, yeah, both of those things. I think there there is something, something substantial that eventually comes out of it. The future of college sports is going to be shaped around the Big Ten and the SEC. So, I don't know, this is not the first step. The first step, you can trace it back probably years ago. Someday the book will be written about how all of college sports changed and the professionalization of college sports and probably the demise of the NCAA at least is something that has any ability to govern college football. It might stick around and do basketball and, and, and other sports. But with football, you know, the NCAA has always kind of had a, a weaker grip on football, had no say in the, in the postseason for the, for the highest classification. Um, so right there, that's a big, um, that's a big check in the box of, of losing power. So, I, yeah, I, I think 10 to 15 years down the road, this is going to fit into the grand picture of how college sports changed and how the Big Ten and the SEC took over the world of college sports. Um, and, and, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one, of, one of many steps. Um, I, I do think that a lot of it now is about NIL. And it's, it's, it's just so um, you know, unchecked and basically out of control that uh, if you're the commissioner of these leagues, I, I think there's an incentive to step in. And the commissioners are answering to the, to the conference presidents you know, who are listening to their athletic directors, and they don't want to be the next one that the NCAA comes after. You know, you see Tennessee um, in the things that it's facing. They, yeah, I think there's just a feeling among the members in both of these leagues that, all right, let's, let's, let's set the rules as we want them before we become um, the next one to get investigated. Mitch, the uh, the college football playoff management committee is meeting in Dallas uh, today and tomorrow to, to work on you know just ironing up some details. And it's interesting to see some of the reporting coming out of it because essentially it's like, okay, so what's next? I, I think a lot of people probably when they announced the 12 thought, yeah, eventually they're going to get to 16. Reading some of the reporting, it seems like that might be in the cards sooner rather than later. Obviously, losing a power league also is going to change the math of it all with the 6 plus 6 having to fall by the wayside, the, I guess, theoretically. Or, or what, what, what does the future of this look like? And I guess how quickly could we be talking about like more big-time changes coming to the college football playoff, giving all of the other changes happening within the sport? Yeah, I don't know specifically. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't talked to um, any of my colleagues who were who were covering that yet. Um, probably be more news that comes out of that as the as those meetings go on, and I'll have a better handle on it. But I do think that you know one thing. One thing I can say is is that it's a period of change and transition and transformation all through the sport in the college football playoff. Clearly you know, going to 12 here in this next season um, is part of that change. And if there's more change to come, well, there will be, because as you said, Josh, there's no fifth member of the power five and the power five is no more. It's a power four um, or whatever that, whatever phrase they want to use. And, you know, I know people are trying to come up with the right way to to coin that. And uh, it's, you know, somewhat going to be determined by, I think, the the way the CFP structures its its selection. It's it's all moving. These are all moving parts. Uh, so, 
Does it go to 16 sooner than it would have if the Pac-12 hadn't met its demise? I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I don't feel like I've got my my arms around that enough to be able to say yet. But any kind of change, I think, is something that you can't be surprised by. Mitch Sherman joining us from the Athletic. Of course, the thing that kind of started the ball rolling on some of this other stuff this week was Tennessee's lawsuit against the NCAA. I saw in some places where there were folks going, well, this was the lawsuit we've been waiting for. This this kind of feels like a last straw legals challenge uh, to break the NCAA's back. How, how How big does what Tennessee is challenging mean to the overall picture? The fact that they are challenging the notion that the NCAA really can't regulate NIL because they're trying to make NIL something that doesn't exist in the real world in that you can't use it as a recruiting enticement. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier where you know, Tennessee, I think justifiably, feels like they're being singled out. Right. They're not acting alone in the way that they handle NIL. Now, a couple of their – a couple of their, uh, and the reason they're being singled out is because a couple of the, the, the instances at Tennessee were just more blatant and high profile than than others. And there was more reporting on them and there and there were there were known individuals because agents leaked information to the media. But that shouldn't be the reason that you get singled out and, and investigated. I you know, I think they have not a legal expert and I haven't studied the the lawsuit, but I think they have a good leg to stand on that that they're not being treated fairly and it just comes down to whether whether the court agrees the court might say well you still broke the rules and you can't use the fact or your your or your belief that everyone else is breaking the rules too as a defense that or or maybe the court will say you can so i don't i don't i don't know which direction that'll go but i yeah i think ultimately this is another event that's going to lead to change in the way that not just the NCAA, if it if it survives, uh, has to deal with NIL, but the way that NIL is structured throughout. And you know, we're moving toward a system where there's going to have to be some regulation, and probably a system where the student athletes are going to be employees of the universities. And it's you know it's something you know talking to the to the the, new, the interim president at Nebraska um, about this a little bit last week. You know, he said. They just want to be prepared for everything. And, you know, you, you, you can't just stick your head in the sand and act like this is not a possibility. So schools are, are getting ready for whatever um, possible outcomes come from this. And that's, that, that seems like it's more likely than a lot of others that the system that we have right now isn't sustainable with the third parties and the collectives and, and donors just basically writing checks to get recruits to come to school. And, and what's probably more sustainable is for them to, to, to just become employees. And, you know, that obviously comes with a lot of cost and a lot of complications, but at least it's something that can be regulated. It might be the only hope for the NCAA after really in, through the entire existence of the organization. It's what they fought against. Yeah. Mitch, uh, anything in particular looking forward to hearing about from Rule on Wednesday? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while since we've heard from him publicly. So looking forward to hearing about uh, the change that he made on the offensive coaching staff, hiring a quarterback's coach, and um, and, and how uh, Glenn Thomas and, and Marcus Satterfield will work together. Um, obviously, we want to hear about um, every, 
you know, every press conference for as long as Dylan Rayola is in Lincoln, you know, his, his name is going to be one of the first ones brought up. And now yeah. he's been on campus for a month or close to a month. So, um, how's it going? Uh, you know, how's your, how's your quarterback, Matt? I mean, like this, this might as well start every press conference uh, for the next few months with that, with that question. So I want to hear about that. And, and, you know, there've been, there've been some uh, obviously other additions that are, that are significant. So we'll hear about some of these transfers. He'll be able to, he'll be able to talk about um, for the first time, um, you know, and then they're 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 working on mat drills, um, which isn't maybe the most interesting subject for for the public. But he likes to they, as, as a team, it's important to them um, the competition that comes with that, and and it's 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 I think it's it's essential um, within this culture in the lead up to spring practice. So just the fact that it's been a while, it's been since December twentieth, um, uh, the the last signing period since he's had one of these press conferences. Um, I'm sure he'll have things that he wants to wants to address, and, and there'll be plenty of questions to ask. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Mitch, we appreciate it. Thanks, and uh, we'll talk right. to you next week. Good to talk to you guys. You bet. Thank you, Mitch. Mitch Sherman, who joins us every Monday. Uh, just saw this here. Yep, I was just going to say. How about this? This fits 15, in with what we were talking about with Mitch. minutes ago, the National Labor Relations Board rules that Dartmouth's men's basketball players are employees of Dartmouth and are allowed to go forward with an election to create a union. I had no idea that Dartmouth was petitioning for this. Dartmouth, of course, in the Ivy League. Division I college basketball. Um, This is from the ruling. Dartmouth takes the position that the petition for basketball players are not employees within the meaning of the act and submits that the petition should be dismissed. In addition, Dartmouth takes the position that the board should decline to assert jurisdiction over the basketball players so as to not create instability in labor relations. As set forth below, I find that because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the men's varsity basketball team, and because the players perform that work in exchange for compensation, the petition for basketball players are employees within the meaning of the act. Additionally, I find that asserting jurisdiction would not create instability in labor relations. Accordingly, I shall direct an election in the petitioned for unit. That second paragraph, um, just rereading it again, I find that because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the men's varsity basketball team, because the players perform the work in exchange for compensation, the petition for basketball players are employees within the meaning of the act. It's so funny, John, how sometimes... You just can read something that simple, and it, it it's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, of course they are employees of the university, even if they are not, they're not maybe paid in the usual ways in which, you know, you and I are paid by our company. Um, as Jack tweeted, and again, Jack will be filling in tomorrow, so this is interesting timing with him given his law background. He tweeted uh, Vince Carter from the dunk contest a couple decades ago saying it's over. It's over. Well, this is, I mean, and again, I had no idea that Dartmouth was, or that anyone was petitioning on Dartmouth's behalf. I assume it would be the players petitioning themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because they're the ones that would make up the union or the the collective bargaining wing. But, wow. 
See, I mean, the, it, on the surface, this appears to be very, oh, very, massive. very huge news. This I would is, say this it's is massive. being reported by Amanda Kristovich, who is a reporter for Front Office Sports. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, especially given the timing of of what we just did with Mitch and how so much of the conversation with him was about the college football playoff and some of the things going on there. You obviously brought up the Tennessee story. Um, later on mm -hmm. but also i'm trying to remember what did we begin the conversation with uh not the playoff not the tennessee but i mean we're talking about all sorts of stuff oh the alliance between these two conferences and what's going to happen next because we just seems like all of these things are everything is meeting at a head right now and it's it's moving in a very specific direction now the next thing to happen is now this doesn't mean that a union exists but the National Labor Relations Board, who oversees labor issues in our nation, a.k.a. unions, um, has, uh, has, it has said they can now have an election. And if they choose to unionize, that union would then likely be recognized as an official union in the United States. Mm -hmm. which would then create a unionized force. Amongst the basketball among, team. Among the bas and this is just the men's varsity basketball team. So this isn't, this is only one sport at one school, Yeah, but obviously. Yeah, you'd wonder what the fallout would be, because what are we, a decade removed from Northwestern trying to unionize yep, the football program? About. And I don't remember exactly how or why that ended, but nothing ever came out of that. Nothing ever came out of it. I, th I don't think the, the, I don't know if they ever actually, I don't believe they ever voted. I could be wrong, though. It's it's been it's been a but while. This is, this is coming from the National Labor Relations Board regional director. Hmm. Issued a decision and a direction of election. This feels a lot like a first domino. Mm. Well, it feels like the dominoes have been falling, but. If you ever watch, and I'm always mesmerized by the, the domino, the dominoes, domino then. you know, when they do the tricky ones where the domino somehow climbs the hill and then hits another domino, you know, mm -hmm. you know, the real elaborate domino sets. This feels like one of those where this domino, you know, somehow rode its way up the escalator and then started another chain. Mm -hmm. That's what the, the I mean. Mm -hmm. Because the dominoes have been falling. It's right. just like the news for Friday. A long time. The news Friday was not, in my opinion, a first step. It was just one of the larger ones. Yes, in my opinion, the Big Ten and the SEC coming together. I I view that we will look back on that as this massive moment, and I'm guessing today we will look back on this as a massive moment. I'm with you. It is not the first domino, but it is certainly a domino. Nonetheless. Well, then that can take us into the conversation because you asked Mitch about it, and it does involve the college football playoff, but the Big Ten and the SEC are also talking about wielding more power on that front, and as much as anything, that could start things rolling a lot faster than whatever it is they come to an agreement on when it comes to NIL or the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Because this is who actually is paying the money. The college football playoff. Coming up next on 1620 The Zone. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. 